Hey family, listen, if you're like me, life gets crazy and hectic, and sometimes our body needs a little extra love. For years, I've been using something that has been a game changer for me, as well as recommending it to my clients. I'd like to introduce you to Vital Body. It is packed with 37 fruits and vegetables, 19 herbs and spices, prebiotics, 15 strands of probiotics, 21 different enzymes, and I'm telling you what, you get 100% of your daily dose of 21 vitamins and minerals straight from nature. This product contains no GMOs and it is vegan friendly. And here's the best thing, there are no artificial flavors. <laughs> so if you're ready to kick off your vitality journey and you wanna feel better daily, and if you're like me, you want a little extra sleep, throughout the night, head on over to vitalbody.com backslash Monica. And because you are a member of the Black Women Amplified family, they are graciously giving us an extra 20% off of our order. Just use the code Monica20. Get prepared. I can't wait for you to try it. Head on over to vitalbody.com backslash Monica and start your vitality journey today. Welcome, and thank you for tuning in to Black Women Amplified, the podcast. Your host, Monica Wisdom Tyson, brings you downloadable conversations that matter to women around the globe. We discuss all things Black Girl Magic, amplify our voices, and transform our challenges into triumphs. Monica calls on her league of extraordinary women to push our boundaries, share their expertise, and stories of personal transformation. Welcome your host of Black Women Amplified, Monica Wisdom Tyson. Hello, everyone. This is Monica Wisdom, the host and producer of the Black Women Amplified podcast. I am incredibly excited that you're here with us today. If this is your first time listening, welcome to the family. If you've been here before, you know that we're about to have a reunion. <laughs> I am excited to be here. I'm excited for season three. Yes, we are on season three. God bless us. <laughs> we have traveled through many episodes and I can't wait to do season four and season five, whatever God has in store for our conversation. This is the season of self-care. Why self-care? Self-care is imperative for black women. It's no longer just about getting your nails done or getting a pedicure or getting a spa treatment or buying some new facial care. It is going to have to be from now into the future a way of life. And not just self-care meaning eat great food or exercise. I mean really 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 work on our trauma our insecurities, our imposter syndrome, all the things. It's time for us to take ourselves on in a new way so that we can truly thrive and shine. Today's conversation, I'm excited. It's gonna be yummy. <laughs> oh, listen, I stay on the interwebs. It's my second home, everybody knows that. 
And every once in a while, I come across somebody that just takes my breath away with their, not only what they're showing, but in conversations behind the scenes, consistency, honesty, integrity, are just a few of the ways that I can describe our guest co-host today. And when I tell you I'm so elated, she said yes. Elated. And that she had even time to have this conversation. So before I go on gushing, (laughs) let's introduce her. Listen, today I'm thrilled to introduce the extraordinary Chef Nina. Chef Nina Curtis is a culinary artist celebrated for her exceptional skills and creative gifts. With her keen ability to transform simple ingredients into extraordinary delights, she is truly a connoisseur of flavor. Her passion for plant-based vegan cuisine spans over two decades, making her a well-respected chef around the globe, from Africa to Asia to India, all the places. And we are thrilled to have her with us today. Chef Curtis has received training from culinary and nutritional institutions, including Cornell University. And she has also earned an MBA from Pepperdine University. Her unparalleled experience and imaginative creations has led her to create and prepare the first plant-based vegan meal for the White House a truly historic and monumental achievement. She is here to share with us the story behind the invitation, as well as help us to understand the profound impact that food has on our longevity and vitality. Now you see why I'm so excited she's here. (laughs) She is a true delight and she is, I call her the academic chef. She knows her stuff. I can't wait for you to hear the conversation. And I'm just going to say this, pull out your pens and your papers and prepare to take notes. Because as we move into the holiday season and move into the season of new goals for 2024, like what year is it? It's important that we have proper information from people who have the experience, the skills, the knowledge, and the acumen to teach us in a proper way. Ladies and gentlemen, I am super excited to introduce to you our guest co-host, Chef Nina. Hello, Black Woman Amplified family. This is Monica Wisdom, and I am so excited that you're here with us today. I have a very special guest, very special co-host, a woman who is revolutionizing food. She is a sought-after, world-renowned plant-based vegan chef. She travels the globe. She cooks for the White House. She does all the things. This is our sister, and this is a woman who I am so happy that she made time for us today. So we're going to talk about not only her journey, but how we can use food as a part of our self-love journey. Ladies and gentlemen, Chef Nina. Chef Nina, how are you today? Hello, Sister Monica. I am doing fabulous. How are you? I am doing incredibly well. Thank Thank you for having me. You know, I've been looking forward to this. I know you said I do all these things, but then there are the things that I wake up to like, oh, today's the day. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yes, today is the day. And I'm so happy. I mean, when I reached out to you, I was like, she said, yes, (laughs) I've been following your page and And here's the thing. I didn't even know that your food was vegan because it looks so good. I mean, it's bright and vibrant and alive. And I was like, this is all plants. So it was very interesting to get into your background. And so can you share a little bit with us about your background? Because not only are you a vegan chef, but you once owned a holistic spa. So you have the inside outside approach to food. Yes, yes. And I have to tell you, if I had a dollar for every time someone said this doesn't look or taste vegan, I would be retired on an (laughs) island sipping on a mocktail. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you for that. That's a compliment. But, you know, if we look at my journey and I'm going to put it in a capsule because there's so much for us to talk about. And it's really about reaching out to your beautiful audience. But I started in the kitchen, as I shared with you already, I'm the eldest of four. And by eight years old, seven and a half, I was already in the kitchen with my mom assisting. And my dad professionally was a catering chef. So if anybody out there listening has a family that's caterers, Mm -hmm. you already know your hands are needed and it doesn't matter your age. And, you know, I, I was a latchkey kid. And so I, in my head, was like, I'll never be a chef because I don't get allowance. I can't cry and these onions are burning my eyes. (laughs) So never say never. Mm -hmm. So I did. I really followed my path. And I took this whole journey because my mother also sold Mary Kay. And I prayed we'd never get a pink Cadillac until Natalie Cole came out with pink Cadillac. And it was all cool. Right. I just have this very colorful life. So I I try to come to life and get people to have this imagination, you know, of of my movie of life. So I I took the road and I've been in why I had a holistic healthcare spa in West Hollywood in Beverly Hills was because I went into that industry. So I worked years in the professional, if you will, spa arena, salon, skincare arena. And I did that. And I always cooked at family gatherings or friends. But over the past two decades, I was bodybuilding, natural bodybuilding competitively, Venice Beach, California. And my body one day just said, no, we're not doing this. And I was like, we're not doing what? I'm in the middle of a competition getting ready to get on stage. And I was like, no, we just don't want any more animal flesh or secretions. And the type of person I am, I've really learn to listen to my body. I've listened to it. That doesn't mean I've always followed what it said, but I've learned to listen. And at that time, I really listened. I was already studying nutrition because as a bodybuilder, everything is about diet, working out, you know, not having too much water excess. I was weighing in in competition time at 9% body fat. I'm 5'8", weighing in at 140. So, you know, there there were all these things that you spent about six months focusing on. And when this happened, I just took the deep dive. My mom already had her own garden. She cooked from scratch. We rarely ever, maybe a chicken pot pie Mm -hmm. in the freezer. My grandmother, you could get Swanson and have pie if you wanted in the morning. You know, we'll get into culture and how food impacts us based on our culture and our families, et cetera. But fast forward, I just dove in and I really started cooking my own food because I already was. 
And I was holiday times. Again, I cooked in high school. I worked at McDonald's, Burger King, Kentucky Fried Chicken. So I had the commercial also experience. And so over the past two decades, I kind of say I had two of the best partners, I'm going to say. One was beauty and one was food, fed me well, you know, financially was well, and they never talked back. <laughs> and so <laughs> I knew at times get hard with women and now men too more, that beauty and food, you know, looking good and feeling good was always going to matter. Hence the conversation we're having today. So fast forward, I've done a lot of things. I don't want to spend much time on that. But as you said, yes, I did in June, this past June, go to the White House and I curated the first in the history of White House state dinners, the first plant-based menu. And it was a four course menu for India's prime minister, Narendra Modi, because he's a strict vegetarian. As a lot of people in India are, not all, but, you know, they brought in what they deemed the experts. So I'll wear the hat. And I, you know, got up in there with our ancestors and they said, girl, we've been waiting on you. So I did what I needed to do. And I came home. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. How did that conversation even start? to get mm. to the the road to the White House? Sure. I am a member of the American Culinary Corps, and there's about 84 of us right now. It's a partnership with the James Beard Foundation. And in culinary, James, the Be James Beard Foundation is really well known. It's like it's when the a singer Academy gets Awards of food. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I was going to say that when a singer gets invited to Carnegie Hall, yes. you know, it's that kind of same thing. And I've cooked there twice. The first time I cooked there was International Women's Day in 2018. And it was an all plant-based vegan menu. I brought in, because it was International Day, I brought in a plant-based chef from Hong Kong, a plant-based chef from Berlin, and then the other chefs with me. There were a total of six of us, all women, all plant-based, making herstory, H-E-R. Mm-hmm. And so that was that start of the relationship with the James Beard Foundation. And then I was invited to come back with one of the women, McKinney, Chef McKinney Howell, who has a plum bistro in Seattle, African-American woman. Her family, 25 years more ago, were making vegan patties, her mom and her dad. And so then she was nominated and she invited me to come back. So that was the relationship. But the American Culinary Corps is a partnership between the James Beard Foundation and the State Department. So they've collected or gathered 84 of us around the country. And our position is to really be culinary diplomats and show the best of American cuisine. So when I got the call, it was okay, the first lady wants to invite you to come to the White House to cook. Mm -hmm. I thought it was one of my friends because, Monica, yeah. I have a lot of great friends and we prank each other and we, you know, hype each other up. And so I was like, who's calling me talking about I'm going to the White House? <laughs> and then I quickly realized, no, this is real. This is real. Pay attention. So it moved fast because, you know, it was a couple of months and that's a lot of time. You can get things done. But for some, that would be like, oh, my gosh, what do I do? So I got there, I did a tasting of 12 different items that could be chosen for a three-course meal. And that was with the first lady, you know, and I had to keep my head about me like, okay, do what you know to do. You're feeding, you feed people, 
Everybody to me is a VIP. Everybody's a VIP if you're allowing me to feed you. So I fed her and her team and they made the decision on the final menu. And then I worked very closely because I always get asked, well, what did you really do? How much input did you have? I had a lot. And so I worked very closely with the executive chef, who is a female, Chef Chris Comaford, who's been there for years. And she was promoted to executive chef first in the history of White House chefs. And then also Chef Susie Morrison, first in the history of White House executive pastry chef. So, you know, when we stepped out on the press day, Monica, (laughs) I can't tell you you how proud I was. I would have (laughs) cried. No, I cried. I kept it together. I'm not letting you see. I had an aunt that told me, if you cry all the time when I was a kid, I cried. You cry all the time. You're going to run out of tears. So I hold my tears for when it's really important. And that might be like a movie. But (laughs) (laughs) that's that's how that was. Mm -hmm. And we had 400 guests. And the feedback I got, because, you know, the White House, the team, they're used to this. They don't, they do their thing and they have different chefs, you know, the cook for the family. And then they're always doing something. The next morning after the dinner, they were on to a, you know, a big breakfast. So this is how they roll and they bring in guest chefs because not that it gives them a break. It does not. But it gives them insight like any chef. Most chefs move from restaurant to restaurant because they get to learn. We get to learn new techniques. And so they bring in guest chefs that, you know, I got a lot, a lot of DMs coming in from IG, like, make the prime minister this. You're not Indian. Why didn't they get an in? No, we're not trying to serve Indian food. We were trying. First lady said to me, I want to showcase the best of American cuisine. We considered local, but we think, you know, global, we did seasonal. And so it was really like, if you went to India, Prime Minister Modi was not serving you American food. (laughs) Right. He was not. You were not getting hamburgers and french fries. (laughs) You were not. Although one president went there and wanted that, but I'm going to leave that alone. No, no, no. (laughs) No, no. I'm not going to go down that road because we got too much going on. But all that to say, that's how that happened. And it was really beautiful. I have to say, I felt like you called me up and said, Nina, come over. Let's let's hang out. And that's how comfortable First Lady Dr. Jill Biden Mm. made me feel and the team. And the team. And like I said, I really felt our ancestors. I'm not being woo-woo. And I didn't think I was going to feel this um, sense of overwhelm to really realize the fact that that kitchen was modern and had all the things. That was the structural kitchen that was there since the time. Oh, wow. So the energy was really heavy. And when I go back to my hotel room... Mm-hmm. I would just sit with it and listen, but it was very positive. And it was like, do your thing, you know, show out, do this. And I was, I was inspired by that, but I didn't talk about it mm-hmm. at the time. I said that to no one. I think I've said it to you. And I think I've said it in another interview of the Sacramento SAC Observer up here where I'm at in Sacramento, that focus. And it's the oldest newspaper that highlights African-American, you know, Mm-hmm. issues and, and highlights their success and all. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sitting here and I'm just, I'm like, my body's going ding, ding, tingling because this is a <laughs> black woman who had this experience 
And for them to, and it wasn't that nothing against anybody. It wasn't that you worked there and it was your job. You were invited into the space to bring your genius because one, you put the work in and two, everybody believed in what you were doing. And that's such a rarity for black women to get that level of acknowledgement. So I'm elated that you were able to get that level of, you know, not just your girl saying, oh girl, you bad, but this was the premier and it was an international experience. And the beauty of it is you were still grounded in who you are. And I think that's what walks you through most doors is that you are there to nourish people. Not yes. for yes. all the other, the other things are great icing on the cake, but you're there to nourish people from the inside out. And it seems like that's, has been your whole journey. Even when you were sitting at your mother's counter, cutting on, onions and you better not cry. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That was my dad, <laughs> but my mom too. My mom, you know, and I want to say that, and I thank you for acknowledging that because oftentimes we get into situations and we have to say to ourselves, I was made for such a time as this, like the book of Esther, right? And that's what keeps me grounded. We have to find those, I think, pillars and those support systems. I always carry my imaginary toolbox and I've had enough experience that I can not assume what something is going to be like just because I've been in numerous kitchens and numerous kitchens of other chefs and you have to have, you know, diplomacy and grace and and not all people have that. So sometimes you walk into a kitchen and they're already expecting you to have maybe an attitude. I don't walk in with an attitude. I leave my baggage at the door. And I mean that by if I have a headache or whatever, I you have to know how to you know, like you see Top Chef and they're under fire. I mean, yeah, that's a little bit sensationalized, but it's real. It And to do to a degree, it's real because you can get burned, you could get cut, et cetera. But my mom gave me that grace and hospitality. Mm-hmm. And then my dad gave me what now as an adult, I can look back and see, you know, seeds being planted. He gave me that push, go, you know. Right. Stand up for yourself without saying those things. They weren't saying that to me at eight years old. Right. But I can go back and play the real, if you will. The soundtrack in your head. Yes, yes. And so each step, I want to say to this, our audience, I always take inventory of where I've come from mm-hmm. and how I can use and, and even strengthen myself today because I have a lot to get done, Monica. I, I was like, back next back in Sacramento, <laughs> let's go. What's the next thing I'm going to be doing? And, you know, I've gone on and, and done a lot of things in between that time since June 22nd and now, but that's my makeup. So I do not expect anyone to be like me, but I am not going to dim my light mm-hmm. for the gifts that God has given me. And I have, I'll say my ministry is through food. Mm-hmm. So I do take it seriously about nurturing people and why I advocate for whole plant-based food, et cetera, now over two decades. But my mom always cooked from scratch, no matter what was on the plate. And she cooked what they'll call clean now. She was really ahead of her time. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, my dad's in the back barbecue and you're sucking on the bone. But, you know, I have to realize <laughs> those were things I came from, but it gave me a palate. It gave me a palate that I know now most of the people I cook for are not vegan or plant-based, mm-hmm. but I've had that experience. Yeah. And the thing is, is that that's an important part. If somebody chooses to go 
too vegan or vegetarian. And I, I do want you to get into the distinction between vegan, vegetarian, and plant-based vegan. Sure. I don't know all the differences, <laughs> just out of curiosity. And I think it's important to make the distinction, but anytime you're going to something different, you have to give yourself time to yes. revitalize or get used to the palate of the foods. That's because right. There's been times when I've gone vegan and I realize, oh, I don't want this anymore. I don't have a taste for like they, I don't have a taste for this anymore once I start eating. But sometimes I have a craving. But the thing is, it's we have to give our palate time to adjust to new flavors. And so, so can true. you tell us about the distinction between vegetarian, vegan, and plant-based vegan? Yes. And I think depending on who you speak to, I mean, there's some solid ground. So vegan abstains from any animal byproduct. Mm -hmm. So that's flesh and secretions. And when I say secretions, dairy okay, or cheese made from dairy. Mm -hmm. But also, I don't eat honey oh. made by bees because it's a byproduct. And mm -hmm. a lot that goes into veganism and, you know, it's a lifestyle, right? So we can talk about what's on the plate. So someone could eat a vegan diet, but not practice a vegan lifestyle. And I know that may sound weird, but it's happening. It can happen. So, but most vegans have this philosophy about compassion for sentient beings, compassion for, you know, those on the planet beyond the human structure. Okay. So that is the thing of a vegan. If you say you're vegan, you abstain and, and possibly abstain from wearing leather or wool or silk, okay. right? So that's that. Vegetarian can kind of, the scale kind of moves. If you're a strict vegetarian as Prime Minister Narendra Modi, you're not having typically not having any fish. Some vegetarians will say, well, I have fish, but vegetarians tend to eat eggs and drink milk or have milk products. So that's the vegetarian and that's the vegan difference. But veganism grew out of, was kind of birthed out of vegetarianism. So when they said to me, oh, okay, prime minister is a vegetarian. In my head, I went, okay, vegan. So we're not going to do milk because a whole bunch of people that are black and brown have lactose intolerance mm -hmm. and it's a high allergen. And we're not going to do eggs because they're not necessary. But I didn't make a big deal about that. So you might read it was a vegetarian meal. It was vegan. And you'll read that they had, if requested, a fish, but it was like French pass. So the menu was the menu that I curated, all plant-based. And that was what everyone ate. That was what everyone was served. And then as they do French style, while they were serving, you know, they had the platter of fish and would say, would you like it? But I can tell you, and now I guess I'm telling the world, there was a lot of fish that came back because there were a lot of vegetarians that did not eat fish in this 400 guest audience. Mm. Mm -hmm. But I didn't cook the fish. I don't cook animal, any flesh or work with eggs. So I make that always known up front. So if that doesn't work for someone, I understand. But those are my boundaries. How did you become so clear in your boundaries when it came to your career? Because I know so many people get into their career and they're like, well, I got to do what I got to do to get on. And you're like, nope, this is what I do. This is my lane. And I'm good here. Was it did it hinder you being that focused and that centered or has it helped your growth in your career? I think it's excelled me, but let me tell you where that seed came from. I worked at McDonald's 
And we had a witch of a a manager that would come in and like, you know, how fast, how many seconds it took you to say hello, blah, 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 blah today. And I did all that perfect, but I felt he was so nasty. And I had grew up on character and my whole team, the, the store manager was in a booth trying to cheer me on and I did everything I needed to do, but I was not feeling him. Mm -hmm. So I got suspended for the day by him because he decided <laughs> I had an attitude, which I did. <laughs> And because I like, just was not like, you today. <laughs> yeah, it smells like a skunk. It is a skunk. Right. And I was upset and I went home and my uncle was over and I was upset. He's like, what are you upset about? And I told him, he said, listen, you were looking for a job when you found this one. Don't you ever let somebody change or challenge your character. Mm. You get another job. And I actually did when I got tired of it. I went to Burger King and then you could have it your way. But. <laughs> <laughs> that's where that stems from. Now, hear me out. I'm not perfect. And there are times where I had to really pick my battle. And I do that daily as a human. But each time you get more comfortable in your own skin, I self-love. I self-love. I trust enough in me that I can go get another job, that I can change something if... I'm not a complainer. If I hear myself saying something, I'm like, well, check yourself. Let's do something about it. Or what are you going to do about it, Nina? So I have a lot of inner conversation with myself. So that's where I come from. Am I perfect? Definitely not. Am I always a work in progress? Definitely so. I was the same way when I was a hairstylist. And in fact, my first introduction into Indian philosophy of food and wellness was through Aveda. Because the whole philosophy, Ayurvedic medicine was the basis of the product line before That's they right. got bought by a conglomerate. Yes, I know Aveda well. Yes, and some of the stuff I was alert because I'm allergic to grass. And <laughs> I would use it and that would just blow up. But that was my first introduction to the importance of ingredients and the things that we put on our skin. So it was important to me throughout my career that I chose products that were good to our skin and good to our body because I saw what would happen if it if we didn't have that with us because we put all those toxins in our bodies, other things can happen. And I remember a study that came out 20 years ago that said that they found the remnants of lipstick inside of bodies after they had passed. And I was like, oh, mm -mm. I don't want that For on sure. my back. <laughs> For sure. You know, it's a concept I've heard before. If you wouldn't eat it, you almost shouldn't put it on your skin mm -hmm. because our skin is a part of the immune system. It is a living organ and we don't think of it as such. You and I know, you know, every seven days we've shed the stratum corneum, et cetera, et cetera. And I see people on social media just over exfoliating and over peeling their skin. And that's going to catch up also, but that's another story for another day. <laughs> yes. It's, it's, we could be on here three hours. Yes. <laughs> this needs to be a we whole series. One, two, three. I agree. <laughs> Look, I'm down for it. And that wouldn't it, be a bad thing, but I'm saying. I am completely down for that conversation because what I'm focused on is reframing the conversation about food, because it's so centered around diet, calories in, calories out. And we're not looking, I'll just say myself, not looking at the idea of food for well-being. So I wanted to have this conversation because I wanted it to be about well-being, 
vitality and longevity, because as I told you, I found that article at the Yale School of Medicine saying that Black women were excluded from studies because of the weathering that is occurring to us due to racism in our society. So because we are getting sick earlier and dying sooner, they're just like, oh, you know, why bother? <laughs> that's what it feels like to me. That's just my opinion. But I'm sure that's not the, I don't know what it is, but I didn't, I had literally had to close my computer after I read it to really understand what I read. So I said in season three, I don't want to talk about the article, but I want to explore how we can look at different elements of our life for our well-being. And this focus is about food. And so I know you know it from two different perspectives, from being in a spa as well as being a chef. And you are a scholar of food. <laughs> you know, you're not just a person who cooks it, but you understand flavors and taste and the chemistry of yes. food. So what I'm going to do is... First, I'm going to ask you, because we already talked about the White House, I want to have you give a distinction between natural food, processed food, and the ultra processed, I'm going to call them edible products. Because I feel like even in veganism, there's things that are so processed. I don't know how that's still how that's good for us, just because it's missing plants, just because it's missing uh animal products. I'm like, if I eat this burger, isn't it just as processed as if I eat a bag of Cheetos? That's just me. <laughs> That's my thought process. So you're the expert. Here's what I'm going to do. I've never done this before. I want to give you the floor because I want you to help us to fall in love with what we put on our plate. And I think you have a better, I'm not, I think, I know <laughs> you have a much better understanding of that just because of your experience, your scholarship, and your perspective on life and food. So Chef Nina, you have the <laughs> Take mic. Take it away. <laughs> I want to finish though, because you asked me to define and differentiate vegan, vegetarian, and plant-based. So we talked about the vegan and vegetarian, but plant-based is a little bit newer of a term, although plant-based foods have always been around, right? So plant-based, as trends go, there has been a trend in, in restaurants and, you know, food products, manufactured food products, that plant-based has been identified as a little bit more digestible because when you say vegan, people might think you're a cult or it's a religion, et cetera, mm. et cetera. Mm -hmm. Then there were chefs, and you've seen this, that aren't vegan or vegetarian restaurants, but they put vegetables forward. So they'd use terms like vegetables center of the plate, vegetables forward. And then the term plant-based kind of came in, and that was kind of confusing because as a vegan, I've been to places where they've said, oh, yes, our menu is plant-based, but I've looked at something and there's eggs in it, or but they're putting highlight or spotlighting vegetables. So plant-based, when I say plant-based, that means vegan. But when I go somewhere else and someone says plant-based, I have to look at either the ingredients on a product or and what the menu is offering. And sometimes I often I have dialogue with like, I was ordering a bok choy, this whole menu, and it was like centered on that individual vegetable. 
but I know bok choy and I know kind of the Asian history or it's used a lot in Asian cuisine. So I asked, is there any fish sauce in the making of this braised bok choy? And sure enough, it was. Okay. But it wasn't on the menu. So I say plant-based means plant-based, but it doesn't mean that's all. It doesn't mean vegan and it doesn't mean vegetarian, but it can cover vegan, vegetarian and other. Mm -hmm. So when you see products on the shelf and they say 100% plant-based, I still look at the ingredient label to make sure that means vegan. But a lot of marketing is not putting vegan because I've read stories that have said, oh, people will be less inclined to grab a product if it's labeled vegan, but they'll grab plant-based. So there's a marketing boy there. And then I've read the opposite, that people, when you say vegan, they're interested in leaning in. So, you know, we have to be careful with studies, but I do believe from a marketing point, now even vegan products say Mm plant-based, but as a vegan, I still check. Does that make sense? Ever feel overwhelmed prioritizing everyone but yourself? What if you could build confidence, set boundaries, and say yes to you? Discover the superpower of self-love with the Self-Love Amplified Masterclass. It's not just about self-discovery, it's about your inner strength. Ready to say yes? Visit www.blackwomenamplified.com backslash masterclass. You don't want to miss out? Write it down. www.blackwomenamplified backslash masterclass. Yes, yes, because you have to check the ingredients because if something is five, and and I say this, you have to look at the ingredients. And if it's more than five ingredients, most likely there's something else in there. <laughs> it's not just- right. I mean, we know that from skin and hair care. Yes, for sure. 100%. Yes. So it does make sense because if you are vegan or or let's say starting your journey, and you might not necessarily know about the lifestyle of veganism- but you're saying I'm going vegan, you have to be, one has to be clear about what that means when people are picking up products. So check right. your ingredients. Are there any resources that people, books or an understanding of ingredients that people can go to a website? Well, how about you just go to her Instagram page? How about that? <laughs> Botanical chef, but you know what I'd like to do? I, I would love to give you like some resources. I can send you them. Oh, 100%. Yes. Because there is a website. It's anygreensnecessary.com. And that is Tracy McWhorter. I think you pronounce it McWhorter. And she's written a book. And so I think that has a lot of resources and a great place for women in general, for men too. But it is speaking and focusing on 10 million Black vegan women movement is what it's called. Okay. I will put that in the show notes. And so people can go directly to the information from there. And the thing is, is that when we think about food, people have, and I'm going to give you the mic in a minute, but there used to be a time like your mom made food from scratch that we would sit down and eat together and have community. Right. But now we traded that in for busyness, hustle and convenience and comfort. And so- I just want to, you know, make it sexy again, make it community again, because it's there's something happening with us as Black women that we're not looking at. And I believe that we aesthetically amazing, 
you know, we got the hair, we got the nails, we got the clothes, we got all that to get the careers, the, the, all the things, but inside there's something happening because the num the math ain't mathing. The fact that we are high in certain illnesses, the fact that we are stressed out, the fact that they're not studying us because we're dying earlier, the math right. ain't mathing. And so when it comes to self-care, I want to expand the conversation beyond just a day at the spa or a night out with your girls. It has to be a lifestyle where we fall in love with ourselves and look at food as a way to love ourselves, not just to look good, but to feel good. I remember when I went to California one time, I went to this place called Gratitude Cafe. Oh, yes. Well known. And yes. And the people glowed. (laughs) (laughs) The food was amazing. But when you looked in people's eyes, the white was white. The blue was blue and their skin was radiant. Yes. And you're by the beach getting negative ions that are really good for you. Yes. And it was just like, how can we use food as a tool for our glow? Yes. Yes. So we can't get life. We get life from life. I always say this. We can't get life from death. And so when we look at our plates, we have to start looking at how much life is on my plate versus death. And that's just, I speak it as it is, because I don't know how to candy coat it, because we have to start realizing that food, yes, is for sustenance. But as you've said, with so many things, we've also turned it into entertainment. We've turned it into comfort food. We've turned it into binging when I don't feel good, et cetera. So, you know, the food that we choose to consume plays a pivotal role in our journey towards, I believe, self-love and self-care. And self-love to me is that being okay in my skin, loving me for who I am with all my imperfections and continuing to be my best where self-care is the action of, okay, and along with loving myself, I'm going to do the things, as you said, I'm going to make sure I'm well-groomed and, you know, the beauty part, yes, but you and I know the deeper part is I'm going to do scalp treatment to really take care of my scalp so my hair can look luxury, you know, it can just radiate. Mm-hmm. and be lustrous, or I'm going to really add juice, fruit, vegetable juices, and smoothies to my diet so I can give my digestive system a little break, but that's going to give my skin glow. Or I'm going to make sure that I have these different, I take my ritual bath with my salts and light my candles. All those things are the action of self-care for the self-love you have for yourself in my definition and how I see myself. So when we get into food, food has such a huge role in self-care and love because it serves as the foundation for our physical health. It influences our vitality, our energy levels. You know, Thanksgiving, we're about to get into it. And we know people are going to be in a food comatose. The tryptophan and the turkey, eating too many sweets, eating overeating, right? There is a Japanese concept, harahachibu, and it's being mindful because mindfulness of the things we eat and consume, whether it's liquid or food solids, is very important. So it's this concept in American English, if you will, 80-20 rule. Stop eating when we're 80% full. But who knows when they're 80% full? We know when we're past full, 
because we feel it. But it is this mindfulness of being mindful of the food you're eating, being mindful of the food that's on your plate. I went years ago to a conference and it was a silent lunch. And the people that could not sit in the tent and just be silent because they were there was so much noise going on in their head. But the concept was to connect with the food we're eating and recognize what it's trying to, how it's trying to nourish us. So, and to your point, longevity, I work with the Blue Zones Project in the healthcare company that I worked with, and it's studied over 20 years, the longest lived people in the world. And there were five areas, Japan being one, Costa Rica being one, Sardinia, Italy, Nicoya, Greece, and also Loma Linda, California, because of seven-day Adventists. So there are enough studies out there to show, and the the Blue Zone says plant slant. So most of these cultures, while they weren't vegan by definition, they ate very little meat. Japan, they don't really drink, they don't drink milk, right? So they could look at the common denominators, not just food, but food was important. Community was important. Self of purpose was important. Having a faith was important. Having a tribe was important. Movement was important. Most of these people were still farming at 100 years old, centenarians. So there is enough out there to support us. But as you said, you know, it gets glossed over or you're beautiful in the commercial and you got a burger. I mean, I know a lot of women, when they go out, they barely eat because they don't want to mess up their lipstick. But (laughs) where did we get to this point? And so I I think food becomes, you know, no matter what's on your plate, Monica, this is what I want to say. I'm a plant pusher. So I am not judging by what's on your plate. I am not trying to convert you to veganism. Yes, yes, I'm very compassionate about sentient beings that feel pain and hurt, et cetera. And oppression to me is oppression, right? And I'm concerned about our environment. Where are we going to go live? I don't want to go to Mars. I want to stay here. Everybody else can go with that guy. Well, I've already found a place on Saturn. Because <laughs> these <laughs> well, people are okay. crazy. <laughs> Has nothing well, to do with the food. Yes, yes. <laughs> but I want all the crazy people to go away so I can stay right oh, here and plant my garden. Great. So, you know, no matter what you eat, I want to get this across that just I am an advocate for getting more whole plant-based foods on your plate, no matter what else is there, because we have an issue with gastrointestinal problems. We're not getting enough good fiber. We're not chewing our food so that our digestive system can work properly. We're taking foods in whole, eat some corn, and you'll see that because it just doesn't really break down. But that'll tell you how long food is in your digestive system when you see that bright yellow come out. So just adding more fruits and legumes and grains and seeds and nuts. I mean, like you said, I got bored with this. I will tell you there are 365 days in the year and I can make you, I can be exaggerated, but I can make you three meals a day, 365 days, and you wouldn't eat the same thing. That's just how many edible plants there are available to us, but they may not be at our stores. They may not be at our farmer's market. So we have to get creative, but I've never wanted or missed for anything. I also understand I love to cook and that's not everybody's deal. Mm -hmm. So I work to make things easy for people as intricate as I can get 
in the kitchen or when I'm doing pop-up dinners or when I'm on a bridge and we've got 900, 850s and 900 people coming and we're serving. But I know that when I get home, I might go for the easiest denominator because I've already cooked 14 hours. So I set myself up for success. I have things I batch cook on my day off, meaning I'll make, you know, fonio, which is a grain from the millet family that is drought resistant and it's eaten heavily prevalently in West Africa, like millet is in Saharan Africa and the Asian countries. And we served millet at the White House because 2023 is the year of millet. So, you know, there's more than rice, but rice also, I'm not knocking rice. There's a lot of different rice. So I think a lot of times people eat a very mono diet, right? No matter what they're eating. And so they may go out and that's celebratory or, oh, I'm going to have something different that someone else fixed for me. But we also have to be mindful if we're trying to really live in our love, self-love and and self-care. We want to really look at what is on our plate to support us because there are foods that are inflammatory. So they cause more problems in our bodies and we're not knowing why we're feeling different. There are foods that high sugar going to have an effect on your mood, but fruit, natural fruit that yes, has fructose. You can practice, you have to eat a lot to go into a sugar comatose, Mm -hmm. but processed sugar, granulated sugar, white sugar, unless it says vegan, has bone ash in it because in the process they use bone ash, whose bones, that's questioned, animal bones, but, but that is helping to whiten the sugar. Wine, you'd think it'd be naturally vegan because it's made from grapes. But in the process, they use egg whites, they use fish bladder. These aren't things on the label that if you're not vegan, you may not want to be ingesting that at even the most minute. (laughs) You just wanted to eat some fermented grape juice that becomes wine. (laughs) Or they say, Jesus turned the water to wine. I mean... There's so much out there. So I don't want to overwhelm us. I just want to highlight some of the things that I think we can offer people food for thought to step back and go, what is on my plate? What is giving me life? You know, juicing, you're going to take out the fiber. So you don't want to live on that. I mean, some people do, but that's not for the normal person, but it gives your digestive system a break. So it's not always working, working. Chewing is one of the most important things, especially as you start to eat more whole plant-based foods that have more fiber and cellulose, because if you're not chewing and breaking it down in the mouth where it breaks down the carbohydrates, you're going to have more digestive problems. People will say, oh, I feel bloated. I'm gassy. Yes, yes, yes. Because what you used to do with that processed food that was already dead that could have had you constipated. I know it's not the prettiest things to talk about, but it's reality and everybody's experienced that so they can relate. These are all the things you you have to know, like you said, that's why I, I will say to people, don't go cold turkey. I mean, I'm a cold turkey kind of person, but I also have a little bit of experience. So you have to gradually add it. So you may have your regular meal that you eat, three meals, two meals, four meals, And then you add something, even if it's an apple, there is value behind an apple a day keeps the doctor away. Mm -hmm. 
And so I always work with people to identify where they are and what they want to achieve because, right, we can look the most beautiful on the external, but we can feel like crap on the internal. And I've heard enough people say that. And that could be headaches. That could be perimenopause. That could be gastrointestinal issues, which we see really coming up. That could be pre-diabetic, type 2 diabetic. That could be hypertension, you know, the salt intake, the sugar intake. I mean, there is so much going on in this magnificent body of ours. Mm -hmm. And we would never wake up in the morning, get in our car on empty and travel across town. But we will get up, either have something, coffee with cream, with a lot of sugar, and go the day before we even get to lunch. So where does that, where is that on the scale of self-love and self-care, right? I try to create a lot of analogies. Like we just wouldn't do it in our car because we know it's going to be empty on gas and break down. But why do we not think our bodies won't do that? And the impact on our mental capacity, our emotional capacity, when you talk about that article, and there is a whole book out on medical apartheid. So I'm not surprised by that article. Mm -hmm. I'm not at all surprised by that article. I work in healthcare. I advocate for my family members when I see things going a little bit crazy because it is what it is. So we have to stand up for ourselves. That's self-love. We have to stand up for ourselves and advocate, advocate and know what's going on to the degree we can, at least how we feel. If we know when that time of the month comes, when do you feel your best? When do you look in the mirror and go, wow, I look really great. And, you know, the next day you're like, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> That's how fast we're fluctuating. So there are so many things that we don't have right at the, the tip of our thought. Like, am I eating mindfully? How is the food I'm taking in affecting my mood and how I feel and, you know, keeping me going? I mean, when we look at and people will say, well, my grandmother, my aunt, that was them. And that was at a different time. And that's what I used to tell my clients when they would have hair loss. Well, this is hereditary. This is my, my mother had this. I said, no, no, no. This is not about genetics. This is about choices. What you inherited was how they eat and how they deal, how they manage stress and how they deal with their day. That's what you inherited. You didn't inherit the biological elements that they have for your hair coming out. If you change your diet, you get rest, all the other things, if you do that, your hair will come back. Hair yes. loss is a symptom of something else that's going on in your body. And the same thing with, the, like you're saying, mood with food. It's a, These illnesses that you're speaking about are a symptom of something else going on. Their lifestyle disease. Yes. yes. We have to be more curious about what we put in our body. Continue. And to your point, you talked about, you know, the whole foods, scratch, then you said process, and then you said highly processed. So let's tap into that real quick. Because like I said, we could be here three, three hours or more because you're just, we're like opening up Pandora's box. So whole foods are in their most natural state. That's eating an apple, wash it, right? If it's organic, better. I mean, there's the, the dirty dozen and the clean 15. And that is through the Environmental Working Group. They have a website, Environmental Working Group, ewg.org, ewg.org. And every year they put out the foods that have the most pesticides in them, the dirty dozen. And then the foods that you don't have to 
you know, spend your dollars, your hard-earned money necessarily on buying organic. Like I rarely buy organic avocados because the avocado trees in California or even Mexico, they're just not spraying them. And I, I know this from the farmers that are saying this, but berries, blueberries, raspberries, strawberries, if they're not available to me organic because of the thinness of the skin, I'm just not eating them. And I love to have blueberries every day for breakfast, with my breakfast in different ways. So we can really, the more we understand, so whole foods, right? Plants, as whole as you can, eating it in its most natural state, taking an avocado, putting it, making guacamole, putting it in your salad, putting it on your toast, et cetera. Then we get into process. There are processes I use when I take frozen fruit and oat milk and I blend it up and make a smoothie. I've processed that food into a liquid. So not all processed things are bad. We have to, there's a lot of processes and techniques we use to enhance or embellish the food, the serving, et cetera. You know, you go to a restaurant and you watch how they cook and we get all excited like, whoa, I don't, that, why can't I do that at home? Okay, we get that. Then we get into highly processed foods, and those are your processed sugars that are in everything that you think. If you look at dressings that you buy, like why does it need all that sugar? Why is it the the third ingredient or the fourth ingredient, as you said, on the label? Saturated and trans fats. That's getting into our fried foods that we love, you know, cuts of meat, processed baked goods, all of these things increase or promote inflammation. We get into refined carbohydrates. Carbohydrates are good, but maybe, you know, I should balance it. If I like to eat white rice, like add some brown rice or add some other grains, white bread. And I don't know the last time I had white bread. I just <laughs> don't do it. I have sourdough bread because that's a fermented bread. That's a whole different story. We know processed meats, they came out with the World Health Organization came out and stated it's causing cancer. So, you know, get that off. Artificial trans fats are different margarines. And this can go vegan or not, right? So we have to be careful of heavily processed foods regardless. And then omega-6, soybean oil, a lot of canola oil that they're using in a lot of almost every food again, right? Especially dressings and watch your pre-made sauces, and, you know, things like that on every culinary cuisine, excessive alcohol, we know that that's going to dehydrate and cause inflammation. And then we get back to, so I worked at McDonald's, those French fries, they do, there's a video out there about how the potatoes are specifically made and how they have to be gassed to kill all the fungus <laughs> and they're held for a period of time. And then you've got these frozen fries that go around the world because McDonald's is a huge organization. And then you deep fry them in oil. And when's the last time that oil's been changed? And what happens when you get a fat and a starch, we create acrylamides like acrylic. So acrylamides harden the arteries, get in the arteries and harden them. They break down the collagen in the skin. So if we're eating a lot of foods, we are going to start aging, pre-aging. I don't care. Black don't crack. Well, it depends. In this world, it's different. It's, it's cracking, different honey. It's cracking. It. <laughs> because we think we can do this in our younger years. Listen, I used to have such a voracious appetite. 
I go to Taco Bell and kill half a dozen of tacos. Okay. I haven't touched a Taco Bell in over 30 years, but I'm saying, I'm not judging the Taco Bell. I'm saying the excess that we are not taking account of. There's a beautiful book, The Body Keeps Count. The Body Keeps Count. And it really is important to not believe that what we did and how we felt in our younger age, and even if you're young, I mean, 10 years today is a whole different 10 years a decade ago or Mm -hmm. two decades ago. It is just different. So we want to focus on nutrient-dense and concentrated food. You're going to get that most from your fresh fruits and vegetables. That doesn't mean you can't saute or braise or roast or broil. We just want to have enough of live food before we put heat to it to balance and help our systems. Chewing, I can't emphasize, Monica, the importance of chewing. And if I told, and if everybody will do this, and I won't be able to watch you, so you don't have to worry about that. (laughs) The next thing you're eating, especially when you're eating a salad, chew it 25 times before you swallow. Mm-hmm. Because that's going to be enough time that the enzymes, the amylase enzyme in the mouth is going to be able to break those carbohydrates down really good and liquefy it. By the time it gets to the stomach, the stomach is not going to have to do as much work as it's more you know, focused on breaking down the protein so we can get the amino acids that are building blocks of protein and then the fats and good fats. Good fats. Our brain needs fats. I'm also careful of, you know not having any fat in the diet, but we can have whole fats, your nuts, your avocado, your your fattier vegetables and fruits. But we want also to eat, you'll hear people say, eat a rainbow of diet, a diet, a rainbow diet. So that means all the colors of the rainbow, because the thing that meat and dairy and dead foods is not going to give us are all the antioxidants, the anthocyanins, the micronutrients and the macronutrients. It's been a myth forever and a day that you're going to get protein and it's a blending of, but there are whole plant-based foods that have all the amino acids that the body doesn't make. That's old passe talk, but they're still talking it. No, nobody needs milk from a cow that is made to feed a calf to grow to 300 pounds. And that is not where we get our calcium. Actually, dairy milk has been proven through studies to cause calcium leaching from the bone. So you're going to get your calcium from your leafy greens and green vegetables and nuts and seeds. Okay. You can tell I get very, very excited about this. (laughs) Listen, I appreciate it. I appreciate it because this is the information. Here's the thing. We always say we need representation. And it's important that if we're talking about Black women, we have to talk to Black women who are in this because not only do you know it from an educational standpoint and your scholarship, but you understand it as a Black woman. So you're getting the same messages we're getting. You're getting the same information we're getting. And you process it and you learn and understand it in a way that you can communicate it to us in our own language. (laughs) <laughs> I'm trying. You know, and I want to say this too. I always set a disclaimer because all the information that we're sharing, all of this discussion is for more information that one then goes on and does further due diligence and educational purposes. I am not a healthcare provider. And even if I was a doctor, 
even if I'm talking this way to you, I'm not going to start prescribing because I don't know the end user. So we have to be mindful of who we gather information from and listen to as it's, you know, the Bible or the last word. We want to gather information and then we want to be able to sit with it. Like I imagine that I'm serving you this very high-end spread. Everyone that's listening, Monica, you've invited me to your table. I've created this delicious, you know, food spread, high end, the way I like doing things, very beautiful in colors that already starts prepping the brain to want to eat and salivate. And just then when you bite into it, it promises, it delivers. But we've got to take this information and what's said, because Monica, you and I and 20 other Black women listening in on this podcast are unique as much as we all have all the main organs of the body and everything else. Because what about our culture? Where did you grow up as a Black woman? What is your culture from? What kind of food were you fed? Or what foods weren't you fed? What's your relationship with food? How does it make you feel, good or bad? What do you reach for when you're not feeling good? What food is that and why? We have to each go on this food journey with ourselves. There's support. There's you. There's me. There's groups. There's, you know, the 10 million Black vegan women, there is all kind of support out there, but we have to get to a place that we know how we feel. We know our own intuition. We know more than anybody on the outside could ever tell me. Yes, I can give you all the scholarly, as you call it, thank you, information, what studies have proven, but who was in the study? Who was in the study they did? Were there any African-American women, African-American people, people brown and black people? We have to think about this. And because I'm on a roll now and I'm not stopping. And because there is such this swarm of, oh, plant-based and vegan burger this and all the burgers out there, that may be okay, like an alcoholic drink. And maybe for some, it's not. That might be okay for once in a while, once in a while. You go out with your girls and you guys are just gonna, I'm not gonna call any names out there, but you know what I'm talking about. The burgers that are out there, the donuts that are out there. I specialize in pastries. No one ever asked me about the sugar, but they asked me, where's the protein? I'm like, you need to be considerate of the sugar content and what kind of sweeteners are being used? Is it natural fruit juice sweeteners? Is it date paste? Are they using honey? Are they using maple syrup? Are they using granulated processed sugar? We have to take this on our own, not overwhelm it, but just take a day. Let me say this to everybody. Take a day and journal the food you've eaten. Journal how you felt while you were eating it and journal what your decision was to eat it why we ate it at that moment at 10 o'clock versus 5.30 when I'm famished now. I've worked all day, whether I'm at home working on a computer or I've been running around town or I miss my train. Just take a day, 24 hours, and it will be so insightful that we can all start there. And I do that on the regular, especially in this season where I'm working longer hours and people have holiday demands and everybody starts getting stressed out. This is the prime time, Monica, for our audience and ourselves to really take inventory. Don't wait till January when everybody joins the gym and everybody goes on a diet and not 30 days later, they're already bored or over it, mm -hmm. right? 
now is the I am so passionate. Time. I am so passionate about this discussion and food isn't everything. You got to move. You've got to take care of yourself. You've got to pray or meditate, whatever your deal is. Mine is prayer. Mine is, you know, getting out in the fresh air. I spent so much time in the gym. I rarely want to go in a gym, but I like dancing. I like moving. I like jump roping. I like rebounding on my rebounder. So we have to find what makes our soul dance and do that. And as much as we are working on, we have conversations about mental health. Food is a part yeah. of that conversation because there it's are huge. foods that can bring you, like I just cut pasta out of my diet because I realized that I feel like crap after I eat pasta. And it doesn't just last a day, it lasts a couple of days. And so I had to look at that. Okay, let me look at this. Mm, this doesn't work for me anymore. As much as I love it, so it's a part of my mental health because if I don't feel good, I can't do the things that I need to do. I don't want to interrupt you, but you said that and I'm just doing some work on pasta. Handmade pasta could change your world. So there you have the difference in handmade fresh pasta and then pasta that's on the shelf. How long it has it sat on the shelf? How was it processed? What nutrients have been pulled from it? And there is what you are talking about. That is what, to me, you are bringing to the table to enlighten us all about in thinking about where our food is coming from. Because the closer to source, the closer to scratch cooked, and I know people that don't like to cook, and I respect you because I love to cook, but I can still bring that information that if you had some handmade fresh pasta, I bet you'd feel so much different than that pasta that you used to love and used to be able to have and not have a problem. And that's the change that happens to us. It's not overnight, but it feels like all of a sudden, what's wrong? Why am I feeling this way? Because it's been slowly breaking us down. So our food can be the most life-giving food, or it can be the slowest form of poison. Mm. Anne Wigmore said that years ago, and she ran the Hippocrates Institute where people would be told by their doctors, you know, we can't do anything for you. Go home and, you know, say your last goodbyes to your family. And they'd go to her institute and she wasn't playing. You were drinking green juices and you were having miracle soup. And it was bland because she had to strip everything that was killing us because our body had just gotten so overflamed. Inflammation is killing us, the silent killer. Stress is the loud silent killer. And the foods, the sugars, the things we've been talking about, excessive salt, our body is like a car. Again, I'm going to use that analogy. We can drive it so long in that fifth year, that warranty is over. And what starts happening? Things start breaking down. It's, it takes maybe longer for some of us because just our constitution. And yes, you said the genes, we used to say, oh, 80% of how you age, how you have, you know, health problems is based on your genetics, 20% of lifestyle. Well, that's flipped to your point. 80% of what we choose to do in our lifestyle can have a huge impact on that 20% of genetics that could bring us down. Because it feels like it's regressing. You know, our parents seem to live longer than we're living. And it's, attributed to lifestyle. They had a much simpler life. They worked hard just like we do, but they didn't fill their whole day up with everything that all the things. 
Right. <laughs> I mean, look they, at us. We're on computers. We're on the yeah. phone. I have three screens in front of me right now. Right. I have to balance it. I have to push away. We've got tech neck. You know, you're seeing women in our necks because of the angle down. Mm-hmm. That's just going to age our neck faster. Because when I talk beauty, then I get people's attention, right? right. When I talk beauty, that that aesthetic thing that we see, we're staring at a computer. Why are our eyes bloodshot red? Because of the strain and the lack of when we get constricted in our body, then we stop the natural flowing of blood and lymph and everything else that's going on. And we think you know, I don't know, we're invincible, but it's catching up with us. And it's catching up with us as African-American women, to your point, that there are a lot of things that are not being, there's not concern for us. We have to take concern for ourselves. We have to find our voice and we have to demand when we go into healthcare environments that we're heard and we're not shut down. 100%. I think one of the most important things that you've said is that we have to learn to listen to our bodies because, you know, we are gifted with these bodies and they're, it's divine engineering. Nobody yes. on earth created what happens in our body. And if we listen to it, just like when you were bodybuilding, when you listen to it, it tells you what it needs and what it doesn't need. But we have to get silent to hear what our body is saying to us. Nina, this has been incredible. (laughs) Thank you, Monica. Oh, my gosh. You know, I've lost time. I don't know what time it is, but I don't care because this is just just the tip of the iceberg. I mean, this is just the very thin skin on that onion that you peel back before you cut into it. Mm-hmm. Imagine so much, but it's a start because somebody's appetite is going to be wet by it. Someone's going to say, wait a minute, you know, and if you can touch one person, that's always my goal. I want to touch everybody. I'm going to cast my net as far out as I can, but if I get one person, that's one person more than I didn't have. Mm-hmm. So thank you, Monica, for having me here. Remember fam, do your due diligence, whatever you take from our conversation today, come back to Monica, ask questions, email her, et cetera. I'm just giving this to you, Monica. And (laughs) I'm here. I'm Botanical Chef on Instagram. And, And you know, community is important. That was one of the things very important in the Blue Zones, the longest lived people. And there is the Netflix documentary. It is called how to Live to 100, the Blue Zones Longevity Program. So you can look that up if you have Netflix. But this is a prime time before we go into 2024 to take back our power. 100. I just had this conversation with my friend who's a psychologist about how one of our goddess teachers taught us that be, a leaf is not does not fall from a tree. It is pushed from the leaf ready to come. So oftentimes we start the new year in January, but this is actually the perfect time to start thinking about the changes we're going to make, all the things we need to do so that when the new year begins, that we are ready and primed to go. So you're absolutely correct in that. And especially when we get into these holiday traditions, don't change your traditions. Just add, begin with adding, become food curious. You know, you might have had this, your grandmother had it, your great grandmother had it, but what else can you bring to the table that will add something new to your traditions? So Nina, I am 
incredibly excited about this. I can't wait till part two and part three. I'm going to put it out there. <laughs> I know must you were have, traveling the world, studying food. And that's another conversation I want to have with you, because I think it is important for us to look at other countries and how they eat, because some of these things are American phenomenon based in capitalism. Definitely. So we that's an important conversation to have, because I know and I'm going to close out. But when I went to Ghana, I wasn't calorie. I ate. Like we ate, but I lost weight. My skin was better. And when I came back home and went to the high-end organic grocery stores, I still felt sick for two weeks until my body had to readjust to an American diet. So there's something else going on here, you know, but again, we're not doctors. No, no. (laughs) So with your, whoever you consult with, whoever you're working with now, work with them, your nutritionist, all the things. I'm just having this conversation because I know that we need to have different conversations about our relationships with food. And I wanted to make sure that I brought the best of the best to have those conversations. So Nina, give us your website and please follow her on Instagram because I'm telling you, it is the prettiest food. Thank you. I like to eat pretty food. I like to (laughs) prep myself and then it has to be delicious or I'm having a conversation. My website is chefninacurtis.com. And my Instagram, what seems to be easier for people to remember is botanical chef, like botanical gardens, but botanical chef. And then all my other information, my YouTube, et cetera, is there. So botanical chef on Instagram and that's across YouTube and TikTok. Thank you, Monica. It's been such a pleasure. Definitely. And thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. Now go to you (laughs) and enjoy the rest of your day. And I will talk to you soon. Take care. All right, Monica. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Black Women Amplified. We hope you enjoyed the show. Be sure to subscribe and log on to blackwomenamplified.com for more information. Keep shining. Keep shining.